If you love doing something else, do something else. And I have lived by that. And what she really meant was, you're going to spend more time in the process than you are in the outcome. So if you cannot love the process, then it's not worth it. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin, and I'm so glad to have you with me today as always. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads and for being a subscriber. I love being on this voice journey with you, and I've got a great show for you today. Really excited about my guest, Beverly Simpson. She's a friend of mine from a couple of business groups, actually, and I just She's just top-notch, and she's she really are going to love this episode. She's dropping so many great nuggets that definitely, if you are in the fitness space, you don't want to miss. But I do believe that a lot of what we're talking about is really applicable across the board. I mean, no doubt it is. But let me just tell you a little bit about her. Beverly Simpson, owner of B. Simpson Fitness, former fitness manager for Crunch in Manhattan, New York, turned online business owner, currently a certified personal trainer and pre-postnatal specialist. And she has a bunch of letters here, which I don't know what they mean, but they look really important. NASM, CPT, FMS 1 and 2, PN2, SFG1, and dozens more certifications in movement. She's passionate about the science of training and has helped hundreds of trainers package their genius into products and help them sell their services without feeling sleazy. And she's going to share that information today, a lot of it, about what becomes so important in selling your products and services. And I really believe that this goes beyond trainers myself. She's also the mom of two daughters under the age of two. And she's watched her body transform from fit coach to pregnant coach to new postpartum coach in a different but same body twice. Once she discovered that body transformation depends on body acceptance, she was finally able to lose over 50 pounds and keep it off without dieting and spending hours in the gym. And she's helped dozens of moms do the same. I think you're going to really love our conversation. Let's head on over to the show. Beverly, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here today. Hi, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know the audience is going to love to hear from you. Let me just give, let me just drop a little backstory on where I met Beverly. We're in a mentorship together and I had the opportunity to meet her live when she was out here in California. And of course she's, you know, she's in my beloved New York now, but what a 
dynamite gal. What an incredible, talk about vocal energy and a presence. Get ready for this because she is just as delightful as can be. Look, I'm talking about you like you're not even in the room, but (laughs) just so excited to have you talk to everybody today about the work that you do and the pivots that you've made and, and all kinds of things I have on my list for us to talk about. So let's just start with what you do now. Okay, great. And you're so kind, by the way, because you are dynamite. Just wow. <laughs> so what I do now is I actually help fitness professionals, specifically personal trainers and a lot of physical therapists, clinicians. So I help them with their messaging and their marketing and really create packages from their products and services so that they can generate revenue online. Oh, okay. So like somebody is a fitness instructor or yoga instructor or something to that effect. You help, I know you do the marketing. Do you help them put their course together? Well, we talk and I'm, we're going to get into this, I'm sure, but a lot of fitness professionals, they've spent a lot of time in the gym setting. And so what gyms typically do is they have a very dollar for hour thought process in how they approach their business. And so they typically are saying things like, okay, it's $60 an hour to work with me. You're going to do 10 sessions and then you'll get 10 personal training sessions or 10 hours with me. Clinicians or physical therapists, they work sometimes they work from a, if they're lucky, they'll work from the medical system. And so insurances will give them certain hours that they're allowed to work. So what happens and how they start thinking about their products is very dollar for hour. And so I get them to shift the way that they are presenting their services and speak more to the transformation speak more to the promise of what it's going to be like when they're working with you. And so when you shift that, you know, so a a session or a, you know, an hour working with them, it becomes it's more about a feature, a fact rather than transformation. And so I just get them to start thinking about their services a little bit differently. And what's awesome about this work really is that it transcends from being online. Now I do primarily deal with people online, but these are principles and these principles can be applied inside a facility, inside a gym, inside, you know, yoga studios. We're talking about principles that can be used across no matter what type of business you have. I am so happy to hear this. Because what I hear you saying is is something that that is even brought into my industry. And there's this industry standard that is, it's just this exchange. Oh, okay, I'll do a session and it'll cost this much. And even in my work, I have to really, you know, I have to really make it clear that it is bigger than, it's not just a session. It's not just a You know, but that's the industry standard in the voice field too, in many, many ways. But that's definitely the industry standard in the fitness industry, isn't it? It is for sure. And it's so interesting. You're kind of jogging my memory because, which I know we're going to get into this too, but I actually have a musical theater background. And so when I would sign up for my voice lessons, 
we were taught, you know, that's exactly what would happen in my vote in my voice lesson. If I didn't show up to the session, I'd have like a 24 hour cancellation fee, but it was still all dollar for hour. I thought about my voice lessons as, oh, I get an hour with my teacher as opposed mm-hmm. to when you work with me for six months after six months, you can expect to belt your face off. You can expect to hit that high C. That would have been a different experience for me. Yeah. And I think that is probably a huge and very important shift because wouldn't that wouldn't the client not literally in a financial perspective invest more, but wouldn't they be more invested if they knew the full picture and didn't think about it as, well, today's my lesson. They're right. working more towards an outcome. Right. Right. For sure. And I know that my brain specifically works just a little bit differently than most people. <laughs> that I, you know, my greatest, my greatest gift and also curse is my work ethic. And so when I was coming into my voice lessons, I had a very specific, clear goal all the time. I work from goals. And so I would go into my voice lesson or go into my training session and know exactly what I want. But what I have discovered from working with seriously dozens and dozens and hundreds of people is that they tend to have lofty goals. They ha- tend to not get specific. So when they're getting into their, you know, so when they come to me and they say, oh, I want to be toned or, oh, I just want to have freedom or like for a vocal student will say, oh, I just want to book my audition. They have to get m- more specific. And more, more, you know, what does that look like? How will you know when you've crushed your audition? When you get to the callback, when you book the show? Like there are so many different ways to measure success. And I'm quoting, I'm using air quotes, but success is subjective. So success, what it means to you, right? And so when you know that answer, you can start you know, from your potential client, you package and position your service and product to speak to that. So it's about positioning too. Oh, for sure. Because I guess that, and, and I don't know, I know nothing about this industry. I think I went to a gym once. I don't remember. I'd have to look that up, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I guess they, all the fitness instructors have a different specialty in a way, kind of like I'm a voice coach, but my specialty is my own methodology, psychology of the voice. Is that part of that positioning that this one is the expert in that or whatever? How does that work? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. There's all different types of, of specialties that you could go down if you wanted. And, and I think that a lot of trainers get stuck or fitness professionals, really, they get stuck and think that it has to be like, okay, well, I have to be a pre-postnatal specialist. I have to be a, I have to be a kettlebell specialist, or I have to be, you know, some type of sports specialist, but specialist, you can really, that can mean a whole slew of different things. You could have your own methodology. It could be, you know, you want to talk prenatal, you want to talk postnatal. Well, what kind of postnatal? We could talk about diastasis. We could talk about pelvic floor. Do you want to be the pelvic floor expert? Do you want to be a kettlebell sport 
Do you want to be kettlebell hard style? Do you want to, I mean, Bulgarian bag? Do you, I, there's just all different ways that you can become a specialist, but you definitely want to go down a specialist road. Yeah. Are you having to reframe these experts' mindsets? I'm going back to dollars for hours for a minute. And how are they doing with that? Is that a, sh- a big shift in and of itself? I mean, much less, but you know, the, the audience, but the professionals themselves. hundred percent, a hundred. And it is a huge shift and it's hard for them to think about it. In fact, it's one of those things that I learned so quickly, which is probably why I pivoted. And it's also probably why I I rose so fast in my ranks as uh, in a big box gym, meaning I went from trainer to assistant fitness manager to fitness manager to district fitness manager in the shortest amount of time possible. I was one of the fastest growing Mm. employee in that company, which was awesome. But I think it's because I got this really quickly, which is that speaking to the transformation and speaking to a program was more important than having X amount of sessions, right? And so I was able to sell without sleaze personal training faster and I would sell more sessions because I was able to do this, right? And, and is that because, of the, because you're approaching a big picture transformation? Transformation, yes. Yeah. And I tell this to my clients all the time, right? Is that, and the reason why, you know, back, uh, back to your original question, just real quick, full circle, was that the reason why so many trainers, I think, struggle with this is because there becomes, there's a line of responsibility that's hard to transfer. Because when I'm saying speak to the promise, a trainer says, I can't eat for the client. I can't do the push-ups for them. I can't work out for them. So it gets scary to say, do what I say, and you're going to you know, lose 10 pounds. So it's scary to have that type of responsibility. But what I tell my clients is that, listen, you're not promising that they're going to do it because you can't eat for them. You can't do the workouts for them. And you're going to show them that. But what you are promising is that you're going to give them all the tools, all the accountability, all the support that they need to get to where they want to go. That's your promise. You just have Mm -hmm. to be clear on that and communicate that. So a lot of trainers, a lot of people, really, I think this is just across the board, but a lot of people get scared to make that type of commitment and to get so convicted in this is what is going to happen for you. Mm. And they get confident or they, they lack confidence rather. Mm -hmm. And confidence comes from competence, right? You will Mm -hmm. become more confident. The more you do it, the more, the more you get transformations for your clients. So that's why I think, you know, so I think that's why it gets scary to talk about it because people get scared about saying, Oh, you're going to, you're going to do this. If you say, if you do what I say, okay. You know, and so, so getting them to shift their mindset to talk about that is so important. Mm-hmm. And, and what I tell my clients and my trainers is that if you went to a client who said, hey, I really want to lose 10 pounds. And I said to you, as the coach who heard that and said, okay, so take this blue pill. And when you take this blue pill in one week, you'll lose 10 pounds. Or if I said, 
take this red pill and you're going to get seven sessions and you're going to get three phone calls and then I'm going to look at all your food logs and then I'm going to give you meal plans and I'm going to do all of these things. Which pill are you going to take? But nobody's going to take that red pill and be like, oh, okay, great. I'm going to get all things, right? So I think, and I think that that you know, especially with trainers where you're in a fitness industry and in the fitness industry, you're going to see a lot of low ticket stuff, free stuff. And so, and a lot of people, clients get in their mind, oh, it's fitness, $10. Totally. And then they bring it over to the voice world. (laughs) They do, and I need them to stop it. That's why all this work is so important that you're doing. Yes, and so, you know, and so when I tell my trainers that you, when you sell a transformation, the price doesn't matter. You just have to communicate a perceived value. It just needs to match the perceived value. Yeah. I, I explain it this way. If I told you, hey, this is a, I mean, if I said, Tracy, I'm going to sell you these brand new AirPods that are noise cancellation and it's $25, but you also get every single upgrade possible that Apple will ever come, ever do for a lifetime, right? $25. That's a no brainer. You're going to find it. But if I said, I have this empty polar seltzer can that costs $25, you're going to be like, uh, thanks, but no. But the actual price value is the same. Yeah. Perceived value is different. And so your job becomes communicating clearly what the value is of the investment. Yeah. And, and what's most scary for trainers and anybody who sells a hope and a dream is that people like to touch stuff. People like to go and and buy expensive jackets and purses and clothing mm-hmm. and stuff that they can touch and tangible. Take. Yeah, th- but you as a coach or someone who sells sells a product or sells a service, you're selling a hope and a dream. You're not selling something that they can touch and play with. Right. As you were explaining all that so beautifully, it made me think about where does that, and I, and I will move off of this topic here in a second, but it made me think about where does that $10 mentality come from and does, does sheer volume in competition play into, I got to do it for free. I got to cut my price. I got to give them a deal. I got to have all the buy one, get one, you know, all the free stuff like you were talking about. Does that, is competition part of that or is it just simply mindset? I think it's twofold. And on the one hand, I think it comes from confidence and a fear of, of, and like I was saying earlier, confidence comes from competence. So I think it comes from a fear of being competent, which is that trainers, especially because I see this a lot in newer trainers specifically, which is that they don't really have a lot of experience. They don't have a lot of like rubber meets the road. So for example, these people, especially people who are super educated, right? They come out with 
CSCS or all these certifications, but they haven't had a lot of time working like clinical hours, working with clients one-on-one or people one-on-one. And that's like trying to learn how to ride a bike by reading a book on how to ride a bike. Yeah. You're not really going to learn until you get on that bike. And so a lot of the, the fear of that comes from just not having a ton of experience working with other people. Now, how do you get that experience? Well, this is where it kind of plays with that, that, that plays with that question, which is, okay, so now you got to charge a price that you are confident and comfortable saying and presenting. And so this kind of speaks to the two part, the second part, which is the subconscious or the mind connection. Now, I know that you talk a lot about my, about the psychology of the voice and that you speak about what is being communicated when you're not talking and the subconscious, mm-hmm. the subconscious component. Now, this is true in sales and shows itself up in sales as well, because if you are not comfortable or not confident saying what it costs or what the investment is, it's going to read. People will hear that. People will smell that. They will know something is off. They're not going to be able to say, oh, you're not comfortable with that price. Right. Right. They won't know what it is. They'll just know it's a no. They will feel it. They will know this is not right. Yeah. Yeah. You are presenting and talking and communicating your transformation, your experience, and what you're going to, what what becomes possible for this person, but you say it in a way that is a no-brainer because you're so convicted that it's exactly what they need. They will read that. They will feel yeah. on yeah. this level. Yeah. And... And so you do this, all this mindset, this positioning, all of this, and then you also help them with their full-on marketing, Mm -hmm. marketing themselves online. Yeah. Yeah. This comes from our mentor, you know, Sarah, that we were talking about, was that when you get this right and you get the positioning right, your content online and how you show up is going to do 70% of the selling for you. Yeah. Because the way that you talk about your, you know, your specialty, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that we were talking about or your methodology, like your kettlebell or whatever, the way that you present and show up in your content is going to do the work for you. Mm -hmm. But uh, some of that, and so this is why I, you know, this is why I help trainers is because they're so analytical in the left side of the brain and they're really into the science of training and they're really also kinetic. So they're moving, they're always, they're really in their body in that way, but that they can get scared or nervous about the technical components. Now, if you are in a gym or in a facility or, you know, in a boutique or selling a product, you know, in a store, you still have to have an online presence. Yeah. And your marketing efforts still need to be also geared to uh, online. Yeah. And are you, are your people, are you teaching them how to do videos and the messaging for, I mean, what, what, what are your people doing online? I mean, I know you're helping them with the messaging, but are they doing videos and Instagram stories and what kind of stuff are they doing? 
Yeah, they're doing, uh, they're, a lot of my people are hanging out on Instagram mostly. So we're optimizing their Instagram mm. profiles and their Instagram content. But also we talk about an Ascension model, which is comes from our, my mentor. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about how that, fr- that free content, Right. So I have some clients that are working on, uh, that have a YouTube channel or some clients just are working on Instagram and we're repurposing that content for an email newsletter. But listen, I've been in the online space for three years. So I have literally, when it comes to what have you tried, I have done it all from oh, have you a podcast to LinkedIn to Facebook to Instagram. I mean, my, I mean, one word to describe me would be relentless. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh my God. Isn't that why you won that award last year for our mentor gave an award away. I think he created it just for Beverly. And I think it may have been called the relentless. Maybe there was some hard headed in there too. I don't know, but I think that was what that award was about. (laughs) I am relentless. I look back on it now and I recognize now that I needed to go through all those things so that I could be show up and be present for my clients. Yeah. Because someone comes to me and says, oh, hey, I want to set up this webinar. Okay, sure. No problem. I know how to do that. Yeah. I want to set up a podcast. Oh, no problem. I know how to do that. So I do not take those experiences for granted or to anything really in my life. Like even from when I was an actor you know, all the way through being a trainer to fitness manager to then moving online and to then, um, you know, now teaching marketing, all of those experiences I needed to go through to get here. What is the number one? And I'm this is the last question I'm going to ask on this, but I think this is really, really valuable for any of my listeners, for all of my listeners, but especially any of my listeners that are in the fitness space for sure. But what is What's the biggest, okay, so we know that there's some mindset mistakes that are happening in that, you know, $10 an hour, give everything for free kind of thing going on. But what's the biggest marketing mistake people make? Is it people go try to be on every platform or they don't have their messaging right? Or what is the biggest mistake? I would say that the biggest marketing mistake that people tend to make is is the positioning. So I thought about my, so my formula, I call it the PT profit formula. It's really based on, on, on the three P's. So my three pillars are the product and I, that's specifically the offer and the, in the offer is the promise, right? And then the second P is the, is the, is the positioning and how you communicate it. And then you need to have that third component, which is the plan. So uh, it's really about how all three of those pillars work synergistically together, because you're either going to have a trainer that's really good, maybe at a product or offer, and they have a really good, or they have a really good promise, but then they don't have a marketing plan. And they don't know how to go from A to point B the most effective and efficient way possible. And oftentimes they don't even really have a message. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you have a trainer that's like, I'm so passionate about stress and I know how to help optimize stress, but they don't really have a product. And then they definitely don't have a plan. Yeah, cool. Or sometimes people will have a great product and then they'll have a great message, but then they just throw spaghetti on the wall 
Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> no idea how to go from point A to point B. And, and I noticed, you know, one of my other mentors, Jim Fortin, talks about how, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. I can tell a lot about a trainer by just asking them, how do you help a client get to their goal? Mm. And I'll have some trainers be like, okay, so I write out a periodized program and we're going to start from here. And then they're progressively, we're going to do progressive overloads and then we're going to get to here. And then we're going to see how it goes along the way. Business is the same way. A marketing plan is the same thing. But then you'll have trainers that'll be like, I don't know, I'm just going to do workout of the day, or I'm just going to look on Instagram or look at Pinterest and see what workouts good or, or or I'm going to ask my client, what do you want to work out today? Mm. You know, and then it becomes, and and we don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You definitely want to meet them where they're at. You don't want to force them to do, you know, you don't want to force your clients to do things that they don't want to do. It's kind of like, it's kind of like introducing vegetables to your children, right? You, uh-huh. Your parents out there, you, you give them a vegetable to try, but it's sandwiched in between two things that they love. Right. So it's the same way, but that there's a different energy. It's a different approach. It's a different level of expertise when a trainer come or, or a PT physical therapist comes in with a rehab plan and says, we're going to start here. We're going to incorporate what you love while giving you something that you need and then get you to your goal, the most efficient way possible. And so I, I feel, uh, so trainers miss the mark on that, but I, I, so I would say if they were to really, if it was a new trainer, the first thing I would have you do is just really focus on the transformation. Yeah. If you can get very clear on what the end result is, then you can do what Stephen Covey says from the seven high, seven habits affected people, you work with the end in mind. And then you just build out the plan from where you want, know you want to finish and build it out from there. Yeah. No, that's good. That's really, really good. And, and that, that puts them in a place with all of that transformation and all of that strategy that I would think is very helpful in shifting that mindset away from dollars for hours. It does a hundred percent. They get that and do it. And then I always am telling them, just like I'm telling my clients is that it's, it's not a matter of getting the plan perfect and then executing it perfectly because that's just not life. That's just not how we're designed. Right. We're what we're trying to do is come, you know, because marketing is guessing, testing, and assessing. We just need to collect the data. We need to, and and the faster we can detach from the data, whether it's negative or whether you got the success that you want, the better. Because we just want to take a look at what happened. Did you get the outcome that you wanted? If not, what was the lesson? What where are the lessons that you needed? Yeah. If you got the success that you wanted, what worked and let's repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. That's re- that's really, really good. I, you know, this is totally off of this topic, but I, and I don't even know if you haven't have any thoughts on this, but as you were talking about all this strategy, I was thinking, which is great. And you're such a master of messaging. I am 
so struggling in that area. It's so complex for my brain. We might circle back and talk about that. But I but I'm wondering, do you feel like there's going to be an online component? People are starting to go back to the gyms. They're start gyms are starting to I don't know about where you are, but the gyms are starting to open back up. But do you think that there will always be an online component for a lot of these trainers moving forward that people are going to want to do a Zoom session rather than come into the gym? A hundred percent. Fitness is fitness is changing. In yeah. It was changing before the pandemic. Oh, was it? Oh, for sure. It was changing before the pandemic. I mean, it, but the pandemic just propelled it. Mm. You know, and there's two things. There's two reasons because before things were going down, I was primarily training online and I was primarily training moms online. And the reason why is because especially early moms, at least in that toddler preschool age, you are pressed for time like nobody's business. And it comes twofold. You're getting pressure to be the head of the household and the best in the household while you're also getting pressure to contribute to society in the way that maybe you used to. Moms start to fall asleep to themselves and they are all just so used to putting everyone else first that they start to forget to put the oxygen mask on themselves first, right? So that they can be for everyone else. And so they're to ask a mom to drive to the gym and uh you know take an hour for yourself to work out that's ideal i would i i live for that that right. one hour that i get to just be in my space yeah that's to ask and for me i would rather have somebody move because movement is medicine movement is going to just do so many things to the brain both to the parasymp both for the autonomic nervous system so your stress response you're going to even if you're just walking right you're going to you're, it's just so important for moms to move that I wanted to create something that was going to get them to move, even if they're it's nap time or the kids are bathing or and you're in the bathroom and you got 10 minutes to do something, right? Yeah. Something is better than nothing. So it was already changing in that way because I worked with a lot of working moms, not in that way. And also, you also have this other component, which trainers miss this. A lot of fitness professionals miss this, but there are a lot of people uncomfortable in a gym. Yeah. And a lot of women specifically can feel uncomfortable in a gym. I can see that. I I never experienced it mostly because I worked in a gym in Chelsea. So Uh in New York. So I have that experience, but a lot of, but I, but I have, I do now that I'm in, that I'm in Westchester. Yeah. So a lot of people feel, and I'm also married to someone who is very uncomfortable in the gym. He does not want to go with me into the gym. He feels like everybody's looking at me. Nobody, what if someone comes and talks to me? So I think that there's a whole market of people that need online training or need an online component so that they can start to feel safe so that maybe they will go into your facility. Yeah. Yeah. You, you increase because remember confidence comes from competence and that through across the board. So you get a client to start to move better, feel more comfortable. Maybe you can get them into the gym. So there's a whole nother area or a whole nother market of people that I think get forgotten, especially for fit pros when they are dealing with 
each other or they're dealing with fitness enthusiasts all the time, people that want to go hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's a whole nother load of people that aren't interested in that. Yeah, and then also too, you know, which I tell my people is that even though I, and I deal primarily with people online, just because I went that path and and a lot of people want their freedom or, or what yeah. they think is going to be their freedom. But um, yeah, uh, for sure. But these principles transcend. So if, you know, people that I was working with in this pan, during the pandemic, they're using the same principles to market their in-person businesses. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works anywhere. It works anywhere. You're still communicating a transfer. Yeah. It goes back to that red and, and blue pill analogy that I was, that I gave. Yeah. Yeah. People don't, the, the facts and features, they matter, but they don't care about them until they care about the, the transformation. Right. So it doesn't matter if I said three in person in a zoom call, they'll do it. If, they know or trust, believe that you are capable of getting their transformation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Now you, and, and, and we don't have to go into a, a deep dive on, on this, but I think it's important to mention because I think that there are a lot of people that maybe feel like they want a change. Like mm-hmm. they feel like what they're doing may not be the end all be all but they don't really know how or why or what to pivot. They don't know how to pivot. And you just recently did a huge pivot. I've had two huge pivots. Oh, have you? Okay. Mm-hmm. So honestly, it goes back to a moment I had in high school. And I'm 37, just for the record, so that people have an idea of how long that is, how long ago that was for me. But when I was in high school, uh, we went, I was in choir and we went to New York. We took a trip and I'm from California. So I'm in New York now, but I'm actually from the Bay Area in California. And so I, we took a trip to New York. It was a big deal then. And we got a whole, like we went and saw Broadway shows. Like it was a whole like experience. And I will never forget it. There was one presentation that we did or that we did with a performer. And I couldn't even tell you who it was. I could tell you who she looked like, what she looked like. But she said something to us. She said, if you love doing something else, do something else. And I have lived by that. And what she really meant was, you're going to spend more time in the process than you are in the outcome. So if you cannot love the process, then it's not worth it. Because those, because those outcomes are just peaks. When you reach a goal, it's like a 10 minute burst. And then what? Yeah. And so what happened? So when I was in high school, I wanted to be Broadway, musical theater, Broadway. Right. And I literally dedicated my whole life to it from a young age, from like, 16. And I went all the way. So when I was 26, I was doing shows all the time. I packed up my apartment in San Francisco and I drove across the country knowing one other soul in New York to audition in New York. I auditioned in New York for about uh, six months and then went to grad school. Cat 21, 
mm-hmm. be, to be a conservatory, to be a Broadway performer. I was well-connected and still am well-connected in the Broadway community, right? But what happened was, well, a lot of things happened. That's like a whole other episode. <laughs> what happened was I really lived by that. And I asked myself that those hard-hitting questions, like, do you love auditioning? Do you love getting up at three in the morning and standing out in the snow? Do you love hanging out and, and always asking myself, like, uh, uh, what do I sound like? What do I look like? Do I, is my clothes, are my clothes okay? Like, I really felt like it was a narcissistic industry, right? Yeah, for sure. But what happened was, and this was a huge realization in my life, and it's something that has just stayed with me forever, is that I always thought that my perfect job was on the other side of fixing my body. Mm-hmm. And so I just, that's how I got into fitness because I was working out for my voice type. That's what I thought, right? That's why I wanted a belt so hard because I thought I was the best friend. Mm-hmm. But I really actually have an opera classical voice. And so I didn't think I was small enough. I wasn't lean enough. I wasn't ingenue enough. I don't have an ingenue personality. Mm-mm. And so it, my voice didn't match me. So I was always trying to, to change my body type. So then, you know, every actor needs to have their day job. I was a waitress for four years, didn't like it, decided I was going to become a personal trainer because that just made the most sense. I would audition and I would have my morning clients, my evening clients and audition in the day. But what I found when I went to the gym was that I, I, loved it more because I could, I felt like I had more of an impact on other people because I could see the, the, that the work that I was doing was, uh, was impacting them. And then it was changing and I just loved being in the gym. I loved that process more. So I left it and I, I blamed that it was a narcissistic industry that I was tired of thinking about what do I sound like? What do I look like? Blah, 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 blah. All those things that I thought was from the industry. But what I recognized when I had children was that it wasn't the fact that it was a narcissistic industry. It was the fact that I needed to change the language in my mind about myself and about my body. Because wherever you go, there you are. So all of a sudden, all the same chatter, that same mental stuff was coming up again, just with a different outfit on. Yeah. Now we weren't talking about how do I sound like? What do I sound like? Are they going to like me? Now we're talking, do I look like the part of a fitness trainer? Is anyone going to take me seriously mm. that now that I've had a baby? Is everyone going to think I'm going to leave? Is it because like do I am I not a am I not a real trainer because I don't look because I don't have a six pack? Yeah. All of that was coming up again. And that was when I realized, oh, that's not the work. The work is in the mind. And I've often said, you know, I actually just recently said this to Tracy, is that if I knew now about like the mind-body connection and the power of the subconscious, all the stuff that I work on now that I'm working on with my clients, if I could apply, if I had known that then, and applied it then because I was always chasing, you know, I need to sound like this person. I need to, I just couldn't be okay with what I sounded like. I couldn't be okay with the imprint that I was going to make 
on a character, on a person. I thought it had to be something else. And it's ironic now that I'm teaching, just be okay with yourself and, and strive, look for the ways that you can imprint uniquely. I wish that I had known that then yeah. because I wonder if I'd still be in it. But you know, but uh, but let me let me interject here for a second because I love this story. I didn't know this story. I, I've you know I would have I would have had on my list. Why did you leave acting? And I know that there's another pivot we've got happening. And so I, this question may be premature, but I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about why you left acting. And I had completely forgotten about this. But I you know I was an actor too. Of course, I was a television actor, mm-hmm. and I made my living doing television commercials. And I left. Because of the perception, again, you know, it was, I had to do the work within me, but I left because I was sick and tired of everybody talking about, oh, did you see my show? Did, oh, oh, I did that show. Yeah, I did that show with Tony. Yeah, I, I was in that show. Did you see that show? That show, I was good in that one. You know, and I was just like, I don't care what show you did, you know, and it drove me nuts every time I'd go to set. There they go. Oh, yeah, I auditioned for that. Yeah. They, oh, they loved me. You know, and, but that was all stuff within myself that I had to work on. And, and so the question then ultimately, and you may not want to answer it yet because you may want to tell us the second pivot first. So I might be premature, but in retrospect, can you look and see every step was ordained? Yes. A hundred percent for sure. And I think, you know, I, I say that I, yeah, I said it actually earlier is that I look back on those situations and I, now I just appreciate it all the time. Like I know for sure that I wouldn't be here if it weren't for that. Yeah. Because weren't for being an actor, I wouldn't have gotten into fitness. I mean, honestly, if you, my, I, oh, I wish that my sixth grade PE teacher was still alive because if he knew I was a personal trainer, I think he would like, die laughing <laughs> because I was the kid that like tried, did everything to get out of the mile. Mm-hmm. Right. I was not a fitness and a lot of trainers, they are people who turn from athletes, you know, they were competitive in their sports then they become trainers. That was not my path at all. My path came from, from acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my path came from my own mental stuff. So I know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that I would not be here if it weren't for those experiences. Yeah. But what? But the reason why I get ref- and so oftentimes I don't really look back on that on those experiences and think, oh, I wish I did it, or what if I didn't? I don't really have that. But the reason why I guess there's pain here for me on this subject is because I loved performing. Yeah. And I lost that. Yeah. And so it's not that I, it's not that I wish I was still an actor. I wish I still loved acting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the pain. Because the truth is that I, because of all those years auditioning, I do not have a problem with getting on camera. Right. No problem recording a show. I still get that adrenaline rush. Sure. That's normal. That's brain-based. That's your brain saying, oh. I'm going to protect you that I can work through that really quickly when a lot of other trainers can't. I was the person that said, oh, or struggle. I shouldn't say can't, but struggle with it. That was not a struggle for me. And so I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm, I'm no, someone said, can you do a Ted talk today? I'd be like, sure. No problem. Just give me 10 minutes. 
right? I don't have that fear because I've presented, I've performed, I've cried in front of hundreds of people. So, you know, that is a gift. I'm grateful for that, but I do miss loving it. Yeah. And it comes up now because I'm a mom and I'm a mom of two young kids and, and they are obsessed with it. They're obsessed with music, dancing. And so once I left acting, right, and now it wasn't the industry. It was my own mental abuse, right? right. But that has, that has an impact. I didn't, I mean, I was the person that walked out and sang on the street. It did not matter. I would yeah. just like melt out. And I didn't sing for years. Oh, Interesting. And I only started singing again because my kids were born. And now they're like, oh, mommy, it's too loud. Stop it. Right. And so that, you know, so now it's coming up for me because I'll sing and people will say, oh, I didn't realize you can sing, but you have a good. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have a very good instrument. Yeah. But I just, I lost the love of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that part is, you know, why I have a little pain there. And because I was a really good actor too. Like, yeah. I don't mean that in arrogance. I meant that it was easy for me to yeah. connect people, to connect to characters and pulling them off mm -hmm. the page. It yeah. transcends now in my business now. Yeah. But I was good at it. I just had these preconceived beliefs, notions of what it should be, what good looked like, why I wasn't enough. All that mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. comes with you no matter what you choose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the work. So, so you did all this fitness, you did all this, and then you had another pivot. Yeah, I did. And it's funny because now I'm, this is the first time that I've like really been talking about it and I'm starting to recognize, you know, it's the same traits is that you get in your mind what success is and what it should look like. And then I'm relentless. And what happens is that I get so attached to the way it should be. Yeah. You do everything right. And I'm a good student. Yeah. And so I get attached to what it should look like. And when it doesn't look like that, I ignore everything else Yeah. or think that it's not right. Or I just cut out the signals of what you're really destined to do. Yeah. Right? And so what happened was, so like I was saying, I went from trainer to assistant fitness manager to fitness manager. So by the time I left my job in a big box Manhattan, I was, or, you know, the big box gym in Manhattan, I was running five facilities, my own facility, hiring and developing trainers. And then also my, um, uh, help hiring and developing other leaders. That was what I was doing. And so when I left the online space, but I had this preconceived notion that I had to have a million dollar business in the, you know, in the industry, or in, you know, as a trainer online in order to do what I'm really good at, which is messaging, connecting with people, hearing where they're at, and then creating, a designing a plan. And so even from the get-go, I had trainers because that was my audience asking me, oh, how do you do it? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I'd be like, no. And I kept flip-flopping. Should I be a trainer? Should I teach trainers how to do it? And I kept flip-flopping. And I, you know, I'm a master marketer. My mind works in this way. I can make a case for anything. I can say, look, you know, there's a reason why the star quarterback is not the coach. Not because it's because his zone of genius is to be the, is to be the, uh, the quarterback. Yeah. 
there's a reason why there's that age old cliche. Oh, teachers are people who couldn't do right. it. That's not true. They no. just, their zone of genius is something different. Right. There, I mean, that's like saying to somebody, okay, you can't train men because you haven't been a man. Yeah. Right. That, to an actor, you can't play that position or you can't play that part because you've never been shot before. You know, like I played yeah. my story. I've never held a handgun in my, in my whole life. Right. That, well, I mean, look at me. You can't be a, this was my story. You can't be a voice coach because you were raised in a family where you weren't allowed to speak. Yet all my acting work, all my directing work, all the accolades were around voice. Right. So, <laughs> you know. You know, so that it just was, you know, that was me ignoring my intuition, mm -hmm. ignoring my signs. And that was me trying to force. Force an outcome that you thought you were supposed to have. That I was attached to. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so then I, I kept saying, no, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. And for the record, I did make it work. It did work, just not in the way that I wanted it. Right. And so then what happened was I had two things happen. James said on a, co on a coaching call, who's my, he's my coach, one of my coaches, he said, if you're not being responsible in your business and not generating any revenue, then you are being irresponsible. So you need to do whatever it takes to at least, you know, and I'm taking it out of context. It was much sure. higher, but he was being right. like, go get some coaching clients. And at the time I had some people that were knocking on my door and I had a really good friend who was a mentor who taught me everything to know. Like he was the one that really propelled me into learning about the science of training. And he was a friend asking me like, Hey, can you help me with this? Like, what should I do? And stuff that came so easy to me, stuff that's like, Oh, you just, you know, sell them the transformation, get Kajabi and then put it in Kajabi and then just do it. Send an email. He's like, wait, how do I do that? And I was like, oh, um, like this, easy. Mm. And so I was like, all right, you know what? Let's just take it. And then the second, it was like the literally the second I decided to go this route, it was like a, my whole, like my fitness manager life came back and I loved that job. Yeah. I love that job. I get I love to sell. I get excited about it. Like it was like, you know that moment for all my Harry Potter friends out there where, you know, the wand chooses you and he like held the wand and it's like ah, all around. It was kind of like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everything just became so easy. And I went back to that moment of if you don't love the process and I do love the process then more than the outcome, then why do it? Yeah. Because, you know, making $10,000 in a month, that's like good for a moment. Yeah. And then you got to do it again. Yeah. And do it the same way. It's a circle. Yeah. And so you have to love that. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not going to love every moment. Right. That's life, right? I don't think anyone really expects that. But you have but you're going to be spending more time there. You have to get excited about the new things that are coming. The online space, the marketing space is always changing. Yeah. You have to love that. But, and I noticed as a trainer, all that same stuff of that me stuff, it's coming up again. It's going to come up all the time. Yeah. Oh, 
look a certain way. I need to do this. I'm not right. I'm, I'm not enough. All that stuff comes up again. Yeah. Well, I don't think it ever ends. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I think, it, I think the lucky ones are aware and work on it the rest of their lives. Yes. And so I don't consider it work. I consider it because, you know, like I've got a sibling. Yeah. Still the same as she was 35 years ago. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Still, still the same issue, same anger, same, you know, everything. Yeah. And so I consider that a gift, that awareness and that ability to change and pivot. But isn't it interesting in retrospect to look back and go, oh, I yeah. never would have, I never would have, I never would have thought about, it's just like voice coaching, right? You know, I mean, I never would have picked this ever, but oh. it was so clear my path. I mean, I, you know, have you ever heard that story about the guy was, uh, that was flooding and the guy was on the roof of his house mm-hmm. and a helicopter flew over and, uh, and, and I don't remember the exact story, but something about the helicopter flew over and. And the, I don't know, all this stuff, it signs everywhere to save this guy. And he died, he drowned because he didn't do anything or whatever. And then he gets to heaven and God says, or he says to God, why didn't you save me? And God was like, I sent a helicopter. I sent a boat. I said, you know, that's what, that was me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I felt like that. I felt like that too. And I think too, that a lot of people, what happens is that a lot of people don't recognize because it's so for, so second nature to them. Yeah, they don't recognize that that's a talent. They right. recognize that most people can't do that. Right, right. You no, know? and not in the way that you do it. Yeah, you know, one of two things: oh, so and so is already doing it, or that's right. Right, right. but right. you and I could say the exact same thing in the exact same way, and it's going to resonate. It's going to land differently on other people and on your people. Yeah. Yeah. And I do believe that we all have our people Yeah, and, and so powerful that what you're talking about, about I was attached to the outcome. I had the way that it was going to be. And I am so hard headed and so stubborn and so internally referenced. Don't you ever tell me what, you know, that's the way I was like, don't you tell me the way it's going to be. I see it this way. This is what we're doing. And that's our, you know, when I stopped doing that, like mine was, I cannot tell people that I can't, I, I mean, I could hear in my head 30 years ago, how people were being subconsciously processed. But I thought, there's no way I can say that to somebody. They're going to lock me up. Right. And now I've got a whole methodology built around it. Right. It's the kryptonite. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have to be willing to, we have to be willing to pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we can. Yes. And then we can. And that's, it sounds like it's just really your purpose. I know you're so gifted in this area. I got, I've missed that line. You know, I did not, I struggle so much with our mentor, men, we have the same mentors and they're so amazing. But this one that we keep referring to is Brandon. And you guys have heard me talk about him before, Brandon Lucero. And he's just genius at that messaging, but you've got it down. You're one of his, you, yeah, you're one of his coaches. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. I'm still like, okay, all right. So how does this go? <laughs> You know, and it's something I've said to Brandon, and it's actually something I've said to James too, both of them, is that, you know, sometimes I felt like I was doing my clients a disservice by learning from me when they can learn from them. Mm. 
But that's like saying one person, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is to be the only person that that right. trains people. Right. The science, you know, biomechanics is biomechanics. Right. But people are going to have different cues. They're going to connect with people on different levels. People buy from people that they know, like, and trust. And there are going to be people that resonate with me because I'm taking a whole different, all different kinds of components from my experience and my context. Yeah. You know, and there's something to be said to work with someone that knows your industry. Right. Oh, for sure. You know, especially like, there's for some sure. uh, people are drawn to people for, you know, specific reasons. Yeah. So that's, I know that I needed to go through that to feel that so that I can yeah. it to my people who will also feel that. Yeah. I went through that in my younger years. I just, I, well, I wouldn't even teach like I teach now. I taught methodology, straight methodology. And I, for me, it was very all or nothing. It was, I have to serve the whole world. Everybody has to like me or what's the point. And then, you know, and then it got to be where it was like, hold on a minute. If I have to coach the whole world, when am I ever going to go to the bathroom? This (laughs) is going to be a problem. Right. And it was then that I realized I don't have to coach the whole Everybody's not going to like me. Everybody's not going to resonate with me. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if somebody else is coaching voices or coaching voices with a different methodology. It doesn't matter. My people are my people. Right. Right. I don't know how, I don't know how we got down there, but it was great. Um, no, I, so I know I'm going to have to let you go pretty soon because we've been on, on here for an hour and I know I could sit here and talk to you all day, but One other question I want to ask you in relation to voice, because, I mean, obviously this is about captivating the room and you are very captivating. You, a cap 21 is amazing Mm -hmm. and moving voice work away from singing. Mm -hmm. Would you say that now she did, she didn't work with me. This is not a, this is not a plug for Tracy, Uh but in, in graduate school and obviously undergraduate school and all of that, you, you, trained your voice. Has that benefited you in your life as a trainer, as a coach now, in video? You have a podcast? A thousand percent. Now, I mean, I, I, a thousand percent. I mean, I studied when I was a Cat 21 Link, Link Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned Link Later. We learned, I mean, it's just so amazing to me how important this work is and and how you know we joke all the time my husband and I about how we don't want our kids to be an actor but honestly it is the biggest gift in so many ways because we used to have to do vocal training from you know singing but also also Alexander technique and link later we had to do all these like weirdo like (laughs) (laughs) yes the stuff I'm always talking about yeah, we had to do stuff like, you know, I oh my gosh, this is so long ago. Roll around on the floor. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. Well, it's fine if you like that. <laughs> Diaphragmatic breathing. But at the time, I we would all be like, oh, why do I have to do this? But listen, all of that stuff we talk about now in movement, breathing, yeah. pelvic yeah. Floor, I know how to connect and actually engage my core because I know how to breathe. Yeah. And I and learned- most people don't. And most people don't because it's automatic, but it's not automatic. 
It's not. And it, because people go into brace mode because their subconscious puts them in brace mode. So you can even give me a yoga person or a, a fitness person and, oh, I got breathing. No, you don't. Not when it comes to using your voice. You do not. Absolutely. You do not. And you need it in movement. You need all of this stuff connects. Yeah. Subconscious, your way you move, the way you speak, it is all intertwined. Mind, body, voice. Mind, body, voice, a hundred percent. Yeah. And that stuff that I joke about, you know, and it, it goes even back to earlier question where I'm like, you know, from a fitness trainer, when I was learning the positioning of the rib cage and that's relationship to the pelvic floor and the breathing. Oh man, if I had known this when I was an actor or when I was a singer, it would have changed the game. Yeah. All of this stuff is not an accident and it's all intertwined. Yeah. And so a hundred percent, if without it, I wouldn't be able to, you know, I'll also admit while I've had training, it is something that's innate. Mm -hmm. I've been able to present. Yeah. You know, it's stuff that when you start looking at it from like a training perspective and you're deconstructing what's happening, you know, in technical, you want to become unconsciously competent. It's the same as marketing, right? I'm not going to say just buy this and get one-on-one and mm-hmm. buy for, you know, no, we're having a conversation. I'm, I'm using persuasive language in what I'm saying, but also in how I'm saying it right? in a way that's conversive, not in a way that's like, just buy this and you get one free. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. That is related. Yeah. That's good. And I, and I would think you share a lot of that with your clients as well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I know I'm going to have to wrap up, but tell, so tell us all the different types of people you work with just for the audience. Tell us one more time, trainers, but I know it goes beyond trainers. So give me the list. Oh, you know, fitness professionals. So anyone that's a personal trainer, physical therapist, or a nutritionist, or Mm. anyone that is, you know, health health really in that health field. I just spent a lot of time there. It's not that I can't help, you know, not that I can't help anybody, but that's, I just spent a lot of time with those people. Mm-hmm. And then I've spent a lot of time with moms specifically when it comes to training and body work and, and working out. I've helped moms specifically because, you know, you go through transformations mentally and physically. Yeah. But the, that's what I've helped. Yeah. And that was, I don't know if we finally ever got back to the the pivot into the, you moved from the fitness space to the moms, to the, to what you do now. Yeah. So I moved from, I moved from a training moms to training. training. Yeah. 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 It, it, I just went back. Really. I didn't, it felt right. was a pivot, but I just went back to doing what I did in person. Yeah. 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 All right. So you've got a podcast. I, I happen to get to be interviewed on this show, by the way. And the name, what, what's that? You crush it. It was an awesome show. It was a fun conversation for sure. You're a great host. You're a great host. It's a great show. What's the name of the show? It's called PT Profit Podcast. Because that's your methodology is PT Profit. It formula. Mm. Okay. So you've got the podcast. You can check that out. Where else do we send people to find you? So the best place to find me where I'm hanging out the most is on Instagram. And I'm on Instagram at B Simpson Fitness. But honestly, you can find me there 
uh, at B Simpson Fitness on all platforms, Facebook, YouTube. That's where I'm hanging out. But primarily right now is Instagram and my podcast. Okay. And I'll put the links in the show notes. So definitely check out the, check it all out, but definitely check out the podcast. I think you'll really enjoy. She's got two shows a week. Two shows a week. Yes. Yeah. One is methodology training. So what I do is something that I used to believe was that a good trainer was a educated trainer and an educated trainer with great service and messaging becomes a great trainer and great trainers don't, or a good trainer with um, messaging and with uh, service becomes a great trainer and great trainers don't have to hustle for revenue. Mm, yeah, that's so on Tuesdays, we do a marketing forward podcast where you'll learn about, uh, okay. where you'll learn about how do you do this using your voice and how to use different platforms and stuff like that. And then on Thursdays is when we really dive into the biomechanics of human movement. And so mm. I will talk about the science of training and how to sharpen your skills as a trainer yeah. or as a fitness professional, because I also have physical therapists that are coming to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, it's a great show. All right. Well, we'll put link it all up in the show notes and anything, el- anything else? Um, thank you so much for hosting me. I really appreciate it. This oh my so gosh. Fun. Thank you so much. You just dropped so much valuable information for us today. I'm just so grateful. And I just loved having you here and having the conversation. So thank you for your time. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. I value you too. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. So that's it for today. Until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab The Voice Formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.